Hello, my name is AJ Bat, and welcome to Advanced Practice Weekly. Today I'm going to start with a quote from Confucius. By three methods we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is the noblest. Second, by imitation, which is the easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Today we're going to be talking about reflection. I'm joined by one of my colleagues, Dr. Yvonne Cauldron, who is one of the new supervision and assessment leads, and she looks after the southwest of London. Yvonne, welcome to the programme. Thank you, AJ. Thanks for asking me along. So Yvonne, we're going to talk quite a lot about reflection. You've produced a whole load of material that I've got in front of me here, and it's amazing. It's very in-depth. So we're probably going to have to break it down into quite a few episodes. But today we're going to talk a little bit about um, the basics of reflection, some of the definitions and what it means to us as practitioners. So Yvonne, you've got some stuff written down here about mirror images can you tell me a little bit about that so yes if you look in the dictionary for a definition of reflection there are two main aspects one is mirror images and two is deep thinking now what we're trying to do here when we're looking at reflection in practice is really do a combination of those so it's like looking into a mirror to see practice and ourselves more clearly and then to deep think about what we are seeing that's really what it I think where we're pulling those two together so it's this two-stage process isn't it so we look yes. at ourselves and we're seeing what's happened and then we've got to think about what we've seen yes that's right so are there any good definitions of reflection that are out there that sort of encompasses everything to do with reflection something that I can read and that'll be like that's what reflection is or is it too difficult to put a definition on it I think it is too difficult in many ways. So I, I tried to, when I was doing the work for this, tried to look at what we have relating to the health professions. And I came up with a definition that's written by the HCPC. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's the Healthcare, Health and Care Professions Council. So they say that reflection is a process which helps you gain insight into your professional practice. And you do this by thinking analytically about any element of it. So from that, you're trying to analyse what you're thinking and gain insights. So you're developing insights and lessons learned. And with that, you're trying to apply it to maintaining good practice and also promoting good practice in the future. In addition, this should lead to service developments and improvements for the professional and the patients or service users under our care. Point of reflection, as far as I can see, it's about us to have personal growth and development in order to really improve that end user experience. It's the patient that's going to benefit from us having this reflective practice. Is that right? That's right. So another <clears throat> definition by Lucas in 1991 states that it involves a systematic inquiry to improve and deepen our understanding of clinical practice and that's what we're really looking to do is to improve what we are doing as individuals and at the end of the day this should benefit our patients and the service in which we are working. It's interesting isn't it that they have the word systematic inquiry that makes it sound like it's a very structured process but I've always thought reflection as being something that happens quite naturally but in that second definition this is a systematic inquiry and I suppose in some respects reflection to get the best out of it should be systematic. Reflection can well be reflecting on 
the way you've walked to work this morning and think, why did I walk that way? Why did I not walk the other way? Would it have been better? That is a reflection. And that is fine. That, for that context, it works very well. But when we're looking about patient involvement and service involvement and ourselves as professionals, we need to be systematic about it. That's, that notwithstanding, we may start reflection by having wide ideas. To have, so we may have different ideas how you start reflection before we put it into a systematic way. So Yvonne, can you just expand on that a little bit more for me? What does that really mean? It's saying that really it, reflection should be embedded in your day-to-day, in everybody's day-to-day clinical practice. So you should regularly reflect on your own performance with everything that you're doing really, your professional values and also your contribution to any teams in which you work. And it's been shown, and obviously it sounds quite obvious really, but engaging in reflective practice is going to be associated with improving the quality of care, in addition to stimulating your own personal and professional growth and closing the gap between theory and practice. That's what it means in a professional sense, rather more than in a day-to-day reflection sense when you're working through your normal life. Yeah, that, that closing the gap between theory and practice is really important for most of us in that clinical pillar in advanced practice, isn't it? It's, that, it's the bit we all really hone in on. I think most advanced practitioners very much are all over that clinical pillar, aren't they? It's the other ones that we struggle with. I think that's right. But again, <clears throat> this applies not just to clinical practice, it applies to the other three pillars. Because if you're reflecting on what do you mean by education, what do you mean by research and what do you mean by leadership within the context of an advanced practitioner? You can reflect on all those th- those things and try and pull together what you actually need to do to improve your performance within each of those pillars or how you're actually achieving those pillars come to that. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think most people would probably always think of reflective practice as a part of their clinical role. But I think, let's say, for instance, you were doing some research and you Mm -hmm. read something and then you thought about it and then you reflected on it. But you're engaging in reflective practice, aren't you? But you probably don't think about that being reflective. That's probably just a thought process. That's absolutely right. And it does come into reflective writing, which we'll talk about later. But yes, certainly research is have you read something that's interesting something that's different what is it about that article or that podcast or whatever that makes it interesting and appropriate to your practice so you're then going to reflect on it and actually decide is this going to be useful to my practice is it going to develop it and therefore I'm deepening my thought about what I'm doing in practice the same with education people say how do I get education and pillar in most of us spend time teaching at some level other members of staff, other colleagues, other junior members of staff, other professionals. That's all education. How do you reflect on that? For example, if I was, te- if I was teaching about my own area of speciality, which is musculoskeletal physiotherapy, if I wanted to talk to an orthopedic surgeon, I would have to think about what I wanted to say to that surgeon, how I would reflect upon my practice in order to ask the surgeon, does this patient need surgery? Yeah. And I would have to think about why I was going to do that. So rather yeah. than just going to a surgeon saying, I think this patient's got an arthritic knee, they need a knee replacement, that's not good enough. You'd have to think, why do I want that? Why do I think that is what the patient wants? What is it that's led me to that conclusion? Yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to the research question, I, when we're reflecting on research that we've read and looked at, that's where our evidence-based practice comes from, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You just link them together and it all 
fits in once you start to think about this stuff. If we just go back a little bit and think about what reflection is in professional learning, now we've touched on it and we don't want to keep going over the same stuff over and over again. So but we have touched on it, but in my professional practice, what are the sort of highlights? Yeah, it's not more of the same thing, but just expanding on it, really. I think we're looking at deepening learning. Reflection is going to deepen what you're learning rather than just accepting that if you do technique A, it's going to have this result. The act of reflecting enables us really to make sense of what it is that we've learned. We've learned something. Do we know why, what that actually means? And to understand why we've learned it and to see how each bit of learning took place. So it's linking one bit of learning to the wider picture and trying to see towards the bigger picture and how your role in what you're doing leads towards that somebody going through a reflective process you're trying to get it to be yours it's not anybody else's reflection it's yours it's a personal reflection on what you're looking at so it becomes your unique thoughts and how you make sense of what you've learned it can be quite a evocative and emotional experience can't it yes I quite agree with that that it's an act of active thinking but it is emotional and sometimes physical because when you have emotions you know for example if you're frightened of something your heart rate goes up so you have physical reactions to emotions and that does happen in clinical practice and it's learning how to make sense of that and how it's also how your practice is also linked with our own values and social identity so therefore reflection is also looking at issues from different perspectives and challenges and assumptions and established patterns of behavior so it's not taking something at a face value and yeah. we all know that we have patients from different backgrounds and different socioeconomic backgrounds and i would say to my staff put yourself in their shoes where are they yeah and reflect on where you're starting from not just on the medical condition so reflection takes in the psychosocial aspects of the patient and the care and your and the circumstances in where you're working and with whom you're working and everybody is has their own assumptions and beliefs and sometimes this can make for difficult working relationships by making yeah. assumptions about people and i think you have to take those cases or whatever you're reflecting on and really unpack them can't you and really drill down into what's happened there to try and decipher what you're reflecting on so Yvonne are there any sort of theories or processes that I could use when I'm thinking about reflecting maybe sort of about using a skill or something there's the theory of double loop learning which sounds like one of those lovely cycles and learning that you all just turn off at in college but what this double loop learning means is that it is acquiring job specific skills whilst also spending time on continuous professional development because CPD is one of those terms that's put out into a department and sometimes it's tokenism but in fact everything you're doing every day you are learning and it's continuous professional development it's what you do with that really but it gives you if you reflect on what you've been doing it gives you the opportunity to create a deeper understanding of yourself as a learner how you learn as well as acquire a body of knowledge that's what double loop learning is and how easy is that to do as a practitioner what do you do we do we need to have some training do we need to be walked through this can you teach yourself to do it is it a systematic process or can i just 
sit down and think I'm going to do some double loop learning? I think there are different ways of approaching it. You can, if you wanted to write, if that's the way you want to do things, we can come onto this in different methods in a bit. But you can, you, whatever you want to do, if you have some, something happens at work, it doesn't have to be a bad thing or a good thing, just something you have an incident that happens at work. You're, it really is good just to get into the habit of writing it down, thinking, what is that? Why am I interested in that? What has happened to that person? Why have I reacted in that way to that person? Mm. bit good or bad and then you're saying so I'm looking at why I'm learning that I'm learning that from that person how am I going to increase my knowledge from doing that so for example I'm afraid I have to go back to my own skill set which is physiotherapy so if I have a patient who becomes very agitated while I'm in the clinic with them and I'm not really getting the answers that I need to make a medical to make a diagnosis because of they're getting very agitated I have to stop and think and reflect to myself what is happening here what is why is this patient getting agitated is it to do with me is it to do with the environment are they not feeling well so that is a reflection in order to think actually I understand why this patient's getting agitated it's because it's a very hot environment in here and the patient is pregnant so I think I must open a window. That's a very sort of low level type of reflection, mm. but it has actually increased my body of knowledge to say that next time I get a lady in the department, I must keep good air ventilation and water to hand. Okay, thanks for giving us that example because that's exactly what we need with things like this because the theories are all well and good, but we want to know how to practically use them. So that's exactly what we want to hear. So thank you. Did that makes sense. Great. It did make sense. If on what skills do I need to be a good reflect that's what we're going to call ourselves or a good reflector or a good reflective practitioner no I quite agree that reflector reflective practitioner I think the one of the main things is awareness of yourself if you read all the documents you have to be aware of where you are we need to be aware of ourselves and where we are as a person not just in relation to the situation we have in front of us with a patient or with a, a team member or with a, a person from another profession but where we are as people so how do we react in certain circumstances to pressure to praise to anger to getting upset how how do we how are we as a person so I think in order to sometimes gain relationships with patients you have to understand where you are and also how you may be coming across to others so I think self-awareness is one of the is one of the big things that you need is to be aware of your strengths as well as your I, would hate, I don't like the word weaknesses but I, our challenges that we may have our mm. barriers to learning but I do think that we you need to be aware of your strengths as well and the way aware of yourself as a person to go in deeper into reflective practice though we need to do more than just describe an incident we need to think about critical analysis of that incident and synthesizing the information that's come from that incident or come from that patient or come from the watched assessment that you've done and then you need to evaluate what you've able to evaluate what you've done af afterwards and I think also it involves being honest with yourself being honest with other people you have to trust yourself and you have to trust other people in order to be able 
to reflect. If you're going to reflect and discuss this with your supervisor or with a colleague, you have to be able to trust them and they have to be able to trust you with what they're doing. So trust is a big, a big part of teamwork. You have to also commit time to doing this. And I think in the context of advanced practice where we are now, it does probably require more than just being doing this on the job and then going home and cooking the dinner. You're probably going to have to go home and reflect on certain incidents that have happened during the day and decide which one you want to really to learn from. You need to be motivated to reflect. It's very easy to go through life doing certainly by the time we get up to the level that at advanced practice level that we've been doing the job quite a long time most of us and it's very easy just to go along with it and not to actually be motivated to do more to think how can I learn I've done all this do I need to learn more you need to be motivated to reflect and you need to practice doing it as well it's not something that necessarily comes easily to everybody and there Mm. are different ways you have to think about how you are as a learner and what your best ways of learning are there's a long list of attributes there as practitioners that we need to hold, isn't there? There and are, yeah. Lots and lots, having time commitment, motivating, being able to critically analyse one's own practice, to be self-aware. They can be quite tricky to, to do all at the same time, especially in the climate that we're in, where everybody's under so much pressure within the workforce. People are, are, are tired. It's quite difficult to do, isn't it? Especially when you've got to look at your own practice when you're when all you're doing is thinking about getting patients through the door and treating them. It, it's quite a tough ask. It is. It is. But I suppose that's what continual professional development really means, isn't it? Even if it's only one thing that you take away from the day, you've taken one thing away. Yeah. You might not have taken it out of every single patient or every single incident that's happened in your team or every meeting that you've been to. But you might take out one thing from that day and you can put that in your reflective jar, if you like, Mm. and say, today I learned this. And I think also being an advanced practitioner, people are going to expect more from you than they would from somebody who wasn't an advanced practitioner. There's nothing to say that other practitioners aren't as skilled, but as an advanced practitioner, you're probably held up as somebody that's normally got quite a lot of experience and a level head on their shoulders and should be able to deal with most things. That's right. Though there is a difference between a lot of experience and knowing everything. And one of the dangers, and this is where reflection, people who don't reflect comes into it, is one of the dangers is trying to bluff and say, I do know all this and I'm just telling you what's happening. Whereas if I get asked questions and I think I'm not sure I know the answer to that. So you have to be honest. This is where honesty comes in and say, I'm not sure to the uh, the answer of that. So let's have a think about where we might find that answer. So if I'm a supervisor and the supervisee asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, you have to be honest and you have to trust the other person that they're not going to go away and say she doesn't know anything, but say, I don't know the answer to that, but let's go and find the answer. And that's reflection and and doing something about it. That's putting it into action. Yeah. And it's quite nice to say in those circumstances, when I've been asked questions that I don't know the answer to, let's go and find out together yeah absolutely absolutely that works really nicely together so everyone if I'm a practitioner that's just been involved in a scenario or an incident with a patient where I would like to reflect on that whether that incident was good or bad how could I dynamically quickly do that what's if I had a bit of paper and a pen on me what would be the best things for me to write down to then look back at that later on and think I've got all the right information that I need to now reflect on this possible 
Okay, so we're looking at the reflection can be based on an incident, a particular incident that's actually disrupted the regular flow of practice. So I'll give you an example of something that happened to me when I was very young. And I was walking a patient in our physiotherapy gym and he fell over and he took me with him and the pair of us landed on the floor together which was really difficult and then I had to get him up off the floor and make sure he was okay and that I was okay as well so I did reflect on this at the time because I thought that's never going to happen again and the sort of things that you need to do and perhaps it is a good idea to have a piece of paper a journal small notebook with you at some point to say so what happened what happened okay so the ha what happened there was the patient fell over why did it happen the patient had a stroke and he, this was the first time he'd been up and walking about. And so that was why it happened and he hadn't done it before. Did it happen because I wasn't hanging on to him properly? I wasn't walking him properly? I don't know. But that was the why. There's a question you have to ask. Why did that incident happen? So what was my role in that? Was I doing my job? Or in fact, thinking about what actually happened, the patient kicked me inadvertently and dead legged me and that's why I fell over on the floor with him so my role in that was I was not in a position to support this chap properly and I had made the clinical decision that he was fitter than he actually was that he didn't need as much physical support to walk so that was my role that I had not got it right at that point this is not punishing myself this is just looking at what happened so the role of the patient was that he was doing his best. He was trying very hard. He was a young man, young man with a stroke. And what was his role? He suddenly couldn't balance. And in trying to gain his balance, he kicked back at me and tried to grab me. And that was the whole thing of that. So it taught me an awful lot about how not to do this. What was the role of the context? So looking at where I was in a physiotherapy gym, fortunately I wasn't outside on a pavement with him. So I was in the physiotherapy gym. So that was somewhat more protective for the patient and me because there were other people around and the floor was softer so what was the role of the ward or the system the system was that I should not have been walking that man by myself I was too junior and the man actually needed more than one person with him so the system was did not really work at that point and we did actually do an awful lot of reflection as a group amongst us as to how this had happened and what we could do to make our systems better and the department better because in fact there's a lot of equipment in the way so we had to make sure that if we were going to walk patients again in that gym that we then moved the equipment to the side and what was the outcome fortunately the outcome was all right the patient was fine I was all right and I had a very supportive supervisor who did not blame me for the incident that was very important I felt at that a very junior physiotherapist that I was not blamed for it but I learned from it and that was the main thing so how was this similar or different from my last previous experience that's the other thing to look at it was very different because it had not happened before and I think the assumption that I'd made was this chap was quite young quite fit didn't need the support and in fact, he did. So that was why I expected it to be different from my past experience, because I thought the chap was more mobile than he was. So what did I learn? And how can I learn that learning in future? I've just gone through that in some ways. So it was actually to say, we need to assess the patient properly, thoroughly, have a team approach to walking a patient who could be very unstable, make sure the environment was clear and make sure there was enough backup. 
so I, I learned an awful lot. And I then went to do some more academic learning as to the type of stroke that this chap had and to, as to why that he had flaccidity down one side. And I'd not really taken that into account. But that is actually to reflect in a very in an environment where I was trusted by the other people and I was not punished for the incident that happened. And that's what I mean about having trust and honesty, being honest about your role in it. What did you do? And then trying to make sure that that never happened again. We'd made changes to the service. So in some ways, we made small service improvement changes. Mm. And that's what we're looking at as advanced practice. In, in small incidences like that can make a huge difference to the way you run a service. That's really interesting. It's a good example, isn't it, where you've broken it down into its individual components and explain the learning. So just to recap on that, so it's what happened, why it happened, what was your role, what was the patient's role, what was the context of the incident, what system environment, the workplace, what was the outcome, what were your past experiences and what learning came out of it, and ultimately what was the action that came out of it. And you, you've, you've learned a lot from that. And it's quite interesting, isn't it, that when, when you're when you're young or when you're new in the role, these things happen and you never forget them, do you? No. So you, you carry those <laughs> no, instances with you for the rest of your life and they, they really do impact on how you practice. That's very interesting. Right. I, think we've all, I think we've all had those incidences. But that's a real good, quick way to break it down. If we think about things that have happened, there is lots of things that you can take from that. And there is also some human factor stuff in there as well, isn't there, about and the assumptions you've made about that patient and that's I think that's really good and thank you I think also from that the other thing I forgot to say really AJ if I can just come back is my emotional reaction to that Mm. I was very upset I was very young I was very upset this chap was a lovely um, patient I was very upset because I felt I'd failed the patient so that was part of my becoming self-aware that it's not a case of failing the patient but I felt at the time I had and I had to go back over that and talk through with my very good supervisor at the time that I hadn't failed the patient but I felt I had failed him and I was very upset because I'd failed the patient and that's the way that I react to those circumstances and that was becoming more self-aware if you like yeah that is that self-awareness isn't it definitely great so listeners um, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Dr Yvonne Cauldron for joining us today on this um, episode of Advanced Practice Weekly we've gone through some really interesting bits and pieces about reflection and we're going to pick up some more reflection on the next podcast stay safe everybody that's uh, that's all from us for Advanced Practice Weekly see you next time take care